The title of this sermon is Faith to Move Forward, Building Something for God. I want to encourage a high school freshman this morning who goes to school every morning wondering if any of his peers is living in purity, recognizing he's the only one standing for God. I want to encourage you to keep building. I want to encourage those of you who are commuting to D.C. every day, clocking in, clocking out, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, wondering if your life makes any difference in the place that you work to keep building for God. God has placed you in that place to make a difference, to see his kingdom advanced. I want to encourage those of you who, you who today are nearing that place of retirement, that those years of retirement are meant for more than just collecting seashells and playing rounds of golf. God has something for you to build in your retirement years. He's got people for you to influence. He's got a kingdom for you to advance. I want to encourage a single mom here this morning who's trying to be mom and dad, who's trying to work and provide for her kids while providing an atmosphere where her kids can grow up in the Lord to keep building God is doing something great in your household. You have world changers in your household that you are raising. I want to encourage a business owner who's thought about giving up on that dream that God put in your heart a couple years ago to keep building. He's not done with that dream. He's not done with that vision. He's got something for you to build through that business. Amen? Today we're going to look at just one verse in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. It says, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. The writer of Hebrews is continuing on a theme in chapter 10, verse 38. And Pastor Brett began our sermon, our, our sermon series by looking at this verse. That my righteous ones shall live by faith. That's what the author of Hebrews says. And chapter 11 is examples of Old Testament figures who did overcome by their faith. Who are examples to us to live by faith. And the first seven verses of chapter 11 in Hebrews tells a story of three men of what's called the prime evil history. And that's the first few years that the earth was created during those times, those early years of the earth's history. He references Abel, Enoch, and Noah. And verse 7 focuses in on Noah, who we're going to talk about today. Those four chapters in Genesis, Genesis 6 through 9, tell the story of Noah. And it's my hope that by looking at the story of Noah today, we'll glean some principles for our own life and how we can build something great for God. So if you want to build something great for God, the very first thing is you got to know the architect. Look to the person to your left and say, know the architect. <laughs> this verse is by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. Now everybody loved the day when the substitute teacher came to class. Because that was the day that you could do whatever you wanted to do. There were no consequences for your actions. If he or she dared to put down some homework as an assignment, you know you were not going to do that homework. Because that substitute teacher had no authority. But then the next day, 
when your teacher came back to class. I'm, I'm thinking back on some really bad memories right now. <laughs> the next day when your teacher came back to class, and you could just tell by the look in his face or her face that this was not going to go well. And oftentimes, if the class had been really bad, she didn't reference any individuals in the class. She spoke to the class as a group because no one distinguished themselves from the group. The class was bad, period. And that meant extra homework. That meant no recess. That had some really bad consequences. During Noah's day, God looked at his generation, and all he saw was evil. Nobody was distinguishing themselves enough to even be worthy of a mention. Everywhere God looked, he saw sin, he saw rebellion, he saw people far from him. And yet, Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Is there anything about your life that distinguishes your life from everybody around you? When God sees your workplace, when he sees your family, when he sees your school, does he see anything different about you compared to the evil and the wickedness that's around you? I don't care if everybody is cheating on their taxes. I don't care if everyone is passing money underneath the table. At your work. I don't care if you're missing promotions and deals because you're walking in integrity. God sees a person who's distinguished and who's living right. God sees a person who wakes up every day and says, God, I'm going to honor you with my finances, with my relationships. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to trust you today. I'm going to build something for you. I'm going to hear what you ha you'll have me to do today. That was Noah. There was something about Noah's life that God said, I got to tell this guy what I'm about to do. God said to Noah, I've determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. These were the events unseen that God told Noah about. No one had ever seen a judgment on the whole world. No one had ever seen rain, let alone a flood. No one had ever seen an ark there was no need for one. And yet Noah went about building because he knew the architect. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the verse prior to the one that we looked at today, gives a definition of what faith is. And it says, faith is the assurance of the things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Notice in this verse, faith is the conviction of things not seen, but it's not the conviction of things unheard. Meaning, you can have faith in something that hasn't happened yet. You can have faith in something that you haven't seen yet because you have faith in the God who's spoken to you. You can be confident in something that you've never seen, that's something, in something that God has promised in the future. Why? Because God spoke to you. And if he's spoken to you through his word, if he's spoken to you, through answering prayer. It does not matter if you haven't seen what he's called you to build. Amen? My daughter, when my wife was, was pregnant with her, 10 weeks of my wife's pregnancy, we found out from the doctor that she had something called hydrocephalus, which is basically excess fluid in her head. 
So your head is about 90% brain, 10% fluid. For my daughter, it was inverted. She had 90% fluid, 10% brain. It's actually a picture. We have a picture of her, of her head. And when we met with the doctor, you can see all the black there is just all fluid. When we met with the doctor, the doctor told us, he said, there's no chance this girl's going to survive. If somehow she is born alive, she'll die within a couple days. She'll never be able to breathe on her own, suck on her own, swallow on, swallow on her own. In fact, he said, if you care about her quality of life, you should probably just have an abortion. And when we heard that, obviously, we were devastated when we got this news. But we began to cry out to God. We began to ask the Lord, what was his plan for this little girl? And people in this church began to rally around us. They began to pray for us. They began to stand with us. And God gave us a passage in John chapter 9, verse 1 through 3, which is the story of a man who was born blind. And it says, as he passed by, talking about Jesus, he saw a man born blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And we began to claim that promise, that God was going to display his works through this little girl's life. My wife ended up having, him ten, or having her 10 weeks early because her head had gotten so big in the womb. And when we... When the nurses pulled her out, I'll never forget, I was in this, this room. There are nurses everywhere. There's doctors everywhere. And they look really anxious. And when your doctors and nurses are looking nervous, that's normally not a good sign. They put this little girl on a table. And for, an, for a minute and a half, she's not breathing. And then all of a sudden, I hear a nurse say, she's breathing. And everybody in that room exhales at the same time. That was miracle number one. A couple days later, she had something called a shunt procedure to drain that fluid from her head. We met with the, one of the best neurosurgeons in the United States, and he said, this procedure will drain the fluid, but what we can't do is we can't grow new brain tissue. Six months later, this is a scan of her head. This is 80% brain tissue. We met with that doctor six months after the, the revision, the shunt procedure and the revision, and he said, I said, so how would you describe this? And he said, it's miraculous. He says, in fact, when I give a demonstration to other doctors about this procedure, I use your daughter's scan as an example of the best case scenario. Now she is two years old doing all the things the doctors told us she'd never be able to do. Stand on her own, swallow on her own. You can show that picture. This is my daughter, Willow. But during that time, during my wife's pregnancy, when we met with doctor after doctor telling us it's not looking good, she's not going to be born alive, we stood on the word of God. We had people in this church praying for us, believing in us, believing in what God was going to do through this little girl. And something that Pastor Brett shared with us, he said, every day you got to wake up and you have to have faith every day. That became our mantra. We're going to hold on to the promises of God. We're going to have faith every day. And I want to encourage somebody here today to get up every morning and believe God, what he has planned for your life, to believe in the vision that he's given you for your family. Secondly, say secondly. 
You got to build according to the blueprint. Build according to the blueprint. You got to know God to get the blueprint. But once you get the blueprint, you have to build according to the blueprint. It says, Noah in reverent fear constructed an ark. All of us are building something. Our lives are devoted to building something. Some of us were building Twitter followers. Others of us are building a retirement portfolio. Other, others of us are building a platform for our business. So we'll have a voice. And all those things are not necessarily bad things. In fact, they can be good things. But we want to be a people who build according to what God has given us to build. Build according to God's blueprint. Life is too short to build somebody else's building. We can get in a culture. We can hear things on social media, see things. We start ending what other people are doing, what God's called them to build. God has something unique for you to build. We can, be, we can look at others who start telling us what we're supposed to build and start building something that God never even told us to build. We're building some, a building that they have planned for our lives. There's something unique that God has for you. He's got a plan laid out for your life, but you got to go to him. And you got to build according to that plan. Maybe you're thinking, well, I got this plan. God told me to work here or to do this with my family, but I don't know how to build it. God will give you a blueprint. God has given you a blueprint that's detailed, that has step-by-step instructions. And if you don't know where to build, start right here in this church. Many of you are already doing this. I came to this church in third grade because somebody told me there were a bunch of Washington Redskins who went to this church. That's all I needed to hear. I was a big Redskin fan. I started coming. My family and I, in sixth grade, a missionary came to this church, and he prayed for me and other sixth graders in that class. And I don't know what happened, but I, all I can tell you is the presence of God came in that room. And for the first time in my life, everything that I knew intellectually to be true fell 12, fell 12 inches into my heart. I was set on fire for Jesus. I had an encounter with Jesus, and it radically changed my life. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, give your life to this church. Start building, being a part of building this church. Now, I was, listen, y'all, I was in sixth grade. I wasn't building a whole lot. You know, when you, when you have your, your two-year-old or your three-year-old and they ask you to help build something, they're not contributing a whole lot. I, I wasn't contributing. I mean, I, I, was, I was doing the best I could. But I gave myself to serving as an usher here, to serving on the campus. I gave myself to helping in children's ministry. I may have been uh, the 13th guy on a 13-man roster. But when you're on the team... And your team wins the championship. You got a ring, baby. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. So when we moved into this new church building, I played a very, 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 very small role. But I was saying, glory to God, thank you for being, letting me be a part of this. When we grew from 500 people in, when I was in third grade to 3,000 people like we are now, I look back and, and go, God, thank you that I get to be a part of this. I get to have a small, small part in this. When we celebrated our 30th anniversary as a church, I said, God, thank you for the years that you've allowed me to be a part of this church. I want to encourage every parking lot attendant, every usher, every greeter, 
Every person serving on that worship team, serving behind that AV booth. I want to encourage every person that's serving kid builders in the youth ministry, every person who's given their lives to helping us build this house. You are a part of what God is building through this church. Your life, you've joined to something much bigger than you, something that's going to last longer than you. And this church isn't perfect. This church, I'm sure you talk to any of us, there's things that we would change. But God is doing something amazing through this house. And we get to be a part of it. If you're coming and maybe not serving anywhere, grab a hammer. Grab a, a screwdriver. Join a part of what God is building. Start here in this house. I'd like to say that when God gives you a, a blueprint, that he'll build it for you. But it normally doesn't work out that way. He gives you instructions. He partners with you. But he has you build something in your family, in your community, in your workplace. Every day Noah got up and he started hammering. For 140 years, he built this ark, little by little, a long obedience in the same direction. There's no underestimating just getting up every day, getting up every day, serving God, loving God, loving your family, doing what's right. You look back over five years, 10 years, 20 years, and what God allows you to build is bigger than anything you could have ever imagined. Amen? Some of you have vision. Some of you may be like me. God's given you some, a, a desire, something for your family, but you don't know how to build it. God gave Noah a blueprint that contains step-by-step directions. If you look at Genesis 6 through 8, God tells him, make an ark of gopher wood. He gives him the ex exact ingredient. He tells him, make rooms. Cover the ark inside and out with pitch. He gives him the exact dimensions. He says the length should be 300 cubits, the, the breadth 50 cubits, the height 30 cubits. He says put a roof on top of it. Make it three levels. I like that kind of plan, three levels. I, I, I'll, I'll take a house that's three levels. <laughs> Set the door on its side. God gave Noah specific plans down to the unit of measurement called the cubit. Everything was measured out. Everything was right there for him. I know so many architects, but very few builders. So many people trying to write their own blueprint for their life, but very few builders trying to follow the architect that God has given. I know so many spectators, so many people watching others build, spending hours on social media watching others build, or coming to church watching others build. So many spectators, but very few builders. I know so many critics. So many people criticizing God's blueprint for their own life. I wish I'd been married by now. I wish I'd have a new job by now. God, why haven't you done this? Or why haven't you done that? We have so many Roger Eberts, but very few Bob the Builders. <laughs> so many critics, but so, many, but so few people who are actually building I know very few builders, but even fewer, who build according to the plan that God has given them. Noah did this. It says in Genesis 6 and 7 multiple times that Noah did all that God commanded him. Every step, he was obedient. Again, it says in Genesis 7, verse 5, Noah did all the Lord commanded him. Then in Genesis 7, verse 16, it says, as God had commanded him. Over and over again, Noah was obedient to what God called him to build. When God gives you a blueprint, don't deviate from that blueprint. 
Don't skip a step. If you skip a step, you'll end up with extra pieces. You'll end up with extra debt, extra headaches, extra baggage. And I wish that God gives us a blueprint or an instruction manual that's thick, that has steps one, two, three, four, all the way to the end. But oftentimes, the blueprint or the instruction manual he gives us is very small. In fact, it only contains the first step. See, some of us here today, we're waiting for God to unveil the whole plan from beginning to end, A to Z. And God just says, start with this. You start with that. You're obedient to that. God unveils the next part. He unveils the next part. He unveils the next part. God doesn't reveal the whole plan because he wants you to walk by faith. Thirdly, say thirdly. Build for others. Build for others. Noah constructed an, constructed an ark, Hebrews 11 says, for the saving of his household. You know, Genesis 6-9 talks about the type of man that Noah was. He was a righteous man. He was a blameless man. He walked with God. But then it says he, has, he had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I would not suggest naming your kids those three names. <laughs> And I'm not mad at Noah's sons because at least they got named. Like they were the only people in that generation besides Noah who God even references. But we don't have anything about them being righteous, them walking with God. I mean, it's just Shem, Ham, and Japheth, which makes me think that Noah's kids were probably a lot like our kids, knuckleheads. <laughs> I mean, Noah's sitting there he's saying, Shem! Stop taking selfies by the ark and get over here and grab a hammer. <laughs> Ham, if you don't stop leaving out these nails for me and your mom to step on. He's looking at Japheth. Japheth, stop hiding in the giraffe room. Or I'm going to use this hammer and do something else with it on you. <laughs> and, and Noah's wife, we don't even know Noah's wife's name. It's not even listed. So I, I don't want to presume on anything. I'm sure she was a great woman of God, but she's not even listed. So 140 years he's building this ark, and she's, here, she's, she's sitting here thinking, okay, we're in retirement age. Like, are, are we going to Florida? Like, are you building, like, a Victorian mansion for me or, like, at least, like, a bungalow or some kind of lake house or something? I was expecting something a little bit more than an ark for our retirement home. But Noah just keeps building. He just every day gets up, honors God, obedient to the plan that God puts in front of him. I want to encourage you, regardless of whether your kids are getting it, regardless of whether that coworker get, gets it. Maybe you have a husband who doesn't go to church, doesn't want anything to do with Jesus, complains about you reading the Bible and singing to Jesus. You just keep building. Maybe you have a prodigal son. They're doing their own thing. They're doing everything you raise them not to do. You just keep building. Maybe you're that one person at high school. You're the only one that reads their Bible and who is loving God and honoring God. You just keep building. Maybe you're at work and you're the only one living in integrity, trying to honor God, trying to please him. You're getting passed over for promotions. You keep building. When the rain comes, they'll jump in. When the rain comes... When your husband loses his business, 
When your prodigal son bumps his head for the hundredth time. When your classmates' parents get divorced. When your coworkers' marriage goes south. Whose ark are they going to jump in? They're going to jump in yours. You just be faithful. You just be obedient. Noah's obedience saved his life, his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives. His obedience saved the animals. His obedience, when he got off the, the ark, he built an altar. He worshiped to God. And it says that God smelled that aroma. And he said, never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. Noah's obedience saved future generations. And I wonder what God may be calling you to build where others are going to find refuge and safety that's going to impact future generations, that's going to make an impact of those around you. People want to come into your ark and find refuge. But if you don't build it now, when the rains come, they're not going to jump in. The end of this verse says, By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. How did Noah condemn the world? Well, he busted the curve. Anyone of his generation could have built an ark. Anyone of his generation could have jumped in his ark, but they didn't. His faith and his obedience eliminated any potential excuse for his generation's wickedness. And he became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. An heir is one who receives freely. You know, an heir doesn't earn something. That's the point of Noah's life is that righteousness is not earned. It is a gift. It's a gift that's received by faith. Faith is both the entry point to building something for God, and it's that which allows us to keep building. And the writer of Hebrews, in writing this chapter of uh, Hebrews chapter 11, he's not, he's not just reminiscing on some Old Testament figures to, to relive the good old days. He's supporting this claim at the end of chapter 10 that the righteous ones shall live by faith. And he's bringing our attention not just to Noah, but by sharing Noah's story, he's drawing our attention to one who's even better than Noah. One whose life Noah foreshadowed. Just as Noah was righteous and blameless in his generation, Jesus was righteous and blameless in his Just as those in Noah's day ridiculed him as he obeyed God, so too Jesus was ridiculed, mocked, scourged, and beaten. Just as Noah's obedience to build an ark saved his family, Jesus' obedience on the cross saved his own family, those who would believe in him. And just as God judged the world and poured out his wrath on the unrighteous during Noah's day, so too there will be a day of great judgment where every single person, each one of us, will stand before God and give an account of our lives. And just as there was just one door that God instructed Noah to build on that ark and for his family to enter into, there is only one door that leads to salvation. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 9, I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. The Apostle Paul said it in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. So then, he's referring, to, he's talking to Christians here. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. 
built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. If you want to build something for God, lastly, you got to build on the cornerstone. In Noah's day, the people were too blinded by their unbelief, too busy with their everyday activities to observe a sign of salvation that was being built in front of their eyes for 140 years. In Jesus' day, the people were too blinded by self-righteousness, too caught up in their own blueprints for their lives to realize that the Son of God was in their midst and that by entering into his salvation, they could build something for God. What about you and me today? God has given us a sign in Noah and the ark that he built. God has given us his son, that his death on that cross and his resurrection is the way by which we enter into a relationship with God. It's that by which we build our lives on that rock. What have I said today? Each one of us is called to build something for God, but we have to know the architect. We got to get in this Bible. We got to get to know God. We got to spend time with Him. By knowing the architect, God gives us the blueprint for us to build what He's called us to build in our lives. When we follow that blueprint, we build something not just for ourselves, something that will outlast our own lives, that will impact our family, our coworkers, our community. And anything we build, it has to be built by faith on the cornerstone. Jesus Christ, the better Noah. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you this morning that you are a God whom we can run to and find deliverance and safety. Lord, I thank you. You have a call of God on every person's life here in this room. Lord, there are dreams. There are blueprints that you've given each one of us. Lord, help us to walk by faith and be obedient to your call.